So over the next six weeks, we're going to dive into the life of Moses. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with the life of Moses, but it is an incredible story. And I tell you, I'm going to give you kind of a, an action homework this morning. I'd love for you to respond to, okay? This is not going to be a four-week series. It's going to be a six-week series. So there's nearly over the next 40 days, and there are 40 chapters. So here's a challenge. I would love for you to read along one chapter a day. There's a few days in there where you'll need to read two chapters. I'd love for you to take a challenge to read uh, the book of Exodus over the next six weeks. Because Chris and I are going to barely touch right on this 40 chapters. But what we are going to touch is going to be significant parts of his life. But there's so much to the story of God through Moses and the story of Moses and how God used him that we're going to just skip over. So there's a challenge for you. Who's up for it? Anybody? If you're like, I don't like to read, no excuse. There's something called an app. It will read it to you. And even as I talked about last week, if you like like holy voices, like. There's voices like James Earl Jones that can just read the Bible to you. I don't think it's James Earl Jones, but it just sounds like it's James Earl Jones, right? And so you can, and sometimes I will do that if I'm traveling. I'll just hit play and just listen to the word. And I capture some of it, but just not all of it. But I'd love for you to read the book of Exodus over the next six weeks. The next two weeks following today, Chris is going to teach, and I'm going to um, wrap up the series after that for a few weeks. And so there's a homework. I think I saw a lot of people just shaking their head like, yeah, I'll read the book of Exodus. The other encouraging thing that you can do is take the opportunity when you have questions, come to church with questions, right? Or email or call as you kind of explore the Bible as we read through this incredible story. So Moses certainly was extraordinary, but in some ways we want to say that Moses was just an ordinary, an ordinary little boy, right? His story is certainly unique in this time of history. And I want to sort of set the stage and the context for this time of history. You may be familiar with the story that's found in the book of Genesis um, about a young man named Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 sons and his 11 brothers. Now think about you having a hard childhood, right? Joseph's 11 brothers sold him into slavery, right? I mean, that's just a bad day. That makes like fighting over a toy not so bad, right? Just remember that. And Joseph's problems were pretty big. But Joseph's journey found it led him to Egypt. And God gave him incredible favor. It ended up being one of the most powerful men in Egypt at that time. And because of a famine, God led the other 11 sons to pursue food. And where did they go? They went to the wealthy land. And where did they find? Who did they find there? They found their brother Joseph. Because of the way that he was dressed, because of the makeup that he had on, because of the Egyptian garb that he was wearing, they didn't even recognize him. His voice had matured. His looks had matured. He was one of the most powerful men in all the land. And they found themselves before him, and they had no idea. What eventually ended up happening to address the famine in the land is that all 12 sons found their home near where Joseph was. Well, the book of Exodus starts, and by the way, this is just a good context thing. We believe that, that Moses recorded and wrote the book of Exodus. He recorded these facts. Moses starts the record in the book of Exodus describing that Joseph and all the brothers had died. We have a little bit of history there. Remember Joseph? This is how the Israelites, God's people, found themselves in Egypt because his 11 brothers decided to sell him into slavery. Those 11 brothers ended up going to find food and they all found themselves in the wealthy land, right? 
They didn't have the money or the resources or the people to try to survive the famine, so they all moved to that area. So the book of Moses, we're, we're skipping over chapter 1. The book of Exodus, excuse me, starts by saying, Joseph and all of the brothers had died. But I love chapter 1 because it also says, but they had a lot of children. And those children had a lot of children that the Israelites were growing in a land that was not their own, right? They were growing in a land that was not their own very, very rapidly. And what's recorded in the first chapter is that, the, that Pharaoh at the time got very nervous about this. And it wasn't just because we learn in other parts of Scripture. It wasn't just because of the way they lived. It wasn't just because of their integrity. It was at this time, it was the sheer volume of them, Right? If the Israelites were to outnumber the Egyptians, then they could easily overthrow them, right? Or at least in theory, when you look and say, man, we don't want more Israelites than we do Egyptians. Sometimes that happens in small town America, right? People move in and say, hey, where, where are you coming from, right? This is my town. Sounds like a country song, right? I think I, I, think I probably say that every, every 100 words out of my mouth. Sounds like a country song, right? Because there's so many country songs that relate. I think there is a country song called My Town, this is my town, right? Okay, I see some heads shaking. Some of your heads are shaking like not very confidently because maybe you don't want me to know that you know that song. I don't even know. But I know that song, so it's okay for you to know that song. Right? And so this was happening in Egypt. Hey, wait a second. This is our country. This is not your country. They were multiplying greatly. And so, so Pharaoh made an edict. And the ruling was that the midwives were commanded to throw all the baby boys into the Nile. I'm talking about a hard job. The midwife job was hard already with the sickness and, and the death, right, that would happen in, in their job. But they were commanded to throw all baby boys into the Nile. Well, these two very well-known midwives, and there were more than them, but these two that were recorded in Scripture that got notoriety in, in the Holy Bible, right, were, were known because they feared God. So, so Moses records in this first chapter, he says, listen, there were these two midwives who did not obey the edict, and they wanted to protect children. So of course, so many children were being thrown into the Nile, but these two midwives who feared God did not. And when they were called out, then they knew that they had to listen. Exodus chapter 2 starts a, an incredible story about Moses' mom. Now, what's interesting today, we're not going to talk about Moses very much. You say, well, this is a story about, or this is a, a, a series about Moses. Well, a lot of us have mama stories. Anybody? Well, this is today, this is, this is about his mom. Because it was her courage that set the stage for his extraordinary life. And so I want to read to you from Exodus chapter 2. We're going to read the first 10 verses. You can follow along in the app or your Bible, or you can also follow along as it will be on the screen. So let's, let's read this story together, and then we'll recap a few thoughts from it. Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. 
She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now you have a little bit of the context, right? That a lot of children were dying and Moses' mom has little Moses and she said he was a fine child. Now you read some of that. This is the English standard version and you see that and you think, well, what does that mean? Was, were there ugly children at times, right? She was a fine child. So some of the Hebrew gives the idea that this was an extraordinary child. Now, it's hard to, to actually understand in the Hebrew because there are several translations, but she knew that this child was special. And for whatever reason, she knew that she was going to do whatever it took to protect him, right? And so she knows that hey, this is a fine child. So for three months, she successfully hides this child. Now, it's kind of hard to hide a child. Why is that? Why is the obvious? Somebody help me out. Because they make, they, make, they make a little bit of noise, don't they? They make some noise and they cry. So she hit him for three months successfully. And what did she decide to do? She decides to put him in the river. Now, I know this seems bizarre. I remember hearing this story as a child growing up. And you just don't really have um, a proper like filter or box or understanding of why someone would do something like this. I don't know about you. Some of you may be hearing this story for the first time. And you read this story, you go, what in the world? And I, I remember reading this story as a child, and even when I started reading the Bible for my own in college, and I started thinking about this story. That this is interesting. What she does is not send him away. She puts him in the very spot where the Pharaoh, the leader of the free world, wanted right, him to be, thrown into the Nile. But the interesting part about where she placed him, she placed Moses strategically in the spot where Pharaoh's daughter would be. Now, it's speculation because we don't have so many of the details here in the scripture, but it's speculation to understand that she put him in a spot where he would not float down the river. I kind of get this visual of like, oh my gosh, she's just going to put him in the river, float him down and hope someone sees him. And here's, here's a crying baby. She placed him among the reeds and placed him in a spot where he would be seen. Now, talk about a measure of faith. Now, today's not about Moses. It's about his mom. She did a few things that I want to highlight in, in this scripture that I believe could already have marked your life. And if it hasn't, this is something that can mark your life. And when you're thinking about your children in the future, because we're talking about a mom here over Moses, this is something that if you do can mark your children's life, not can't, but it will mark your children's life. That we can live an extraordinary life. And that's what we want to do over this next six weeks is look into the life of Moses, look into the stories that are found in Exodus and realize that this is the same God who still lives today. This is the same God who can live in you and who lives in me. Let's look at Moses' mom. The first thing I want to say is that extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary people. That if you look at your life, I believe it wouldn't take too long before you start to tell the stories about, hey, tell me about what, tell me your story. What are you going to highlight? You're going to highlight people. Some of you would highlight mom. Some of you would highlight dad. Some of you with maybe absent parents where you could highlight a, a boss or a mentor. Some of you would 
skip over, not to be disrespectful to mom and dad, but some of you would highlight grandma. Some of you would highlight grandpa. And some of you would highlight someone that's not family, maybe not even friend, but someone that stepped into your life and made a difference for you. Well, this is Moses highlighting his story. And who does he highlight? His mom. And extraordinary moments are marked by extraordinary people. Who are those people in your life that have made a difference? Who are those people that have sacrificed for you? I remember growing up, there were several moments that I just remember thinking, my parents can't afford this. My mom and my dad got a divorce when I was a young child. And so my mom was single for several years, worked at a part-time job, a part-time job at Hardee's restaurant, uh, won't make it very far. We moved in with family and lived with my grandmother for a long time and then lived with another family member before my mom got the money to move into a little house. She remarried and we moved from a little brick house. I saw this house about three months ago when I was visiting family. Just, you drive by and you, you, just, you just remember. I'm like, man, that is a really tiny house. I mean, I, I saw it all growing up and I just didn't realize how tiny it was. Um, and now I live in a small New England Cape and I'm like, it's not too bad, right? <laughs> it's not too bad. And we moved into a single wide trailer and I thought, this thing is long. I like it. And I remember in middle school moving into a double wide trailer. I'm like, man, my house just doubled. This is incredible. I don't know what this line is in the middle of my house, but this is, this is incredible. I couldn't wait to invite my friends over to see my, my double wide trailer, right? But I remember moments, even though I did not understand at the time how my parents did not have any, mon- have any money, I remember moments where they made great sacrifices for me. And I remember moments of them, and I can tell stories, and I'm just not going to get into those details, but I can re- remember stories when they did without so that I could have something where they took off work to always make the game. I remember starting in youth ministry when I would go visit a, a volleyball game to see a player. And I'm like, I think there are like four parents here, but yet there's 20 kids in this gym. And I remember thinking, my mom always came. My dad always came, right? And I can think about the sacrifice that my grandmother made and hearing about stories of, of not just my grandmother, but my grandfather. And I can look back and say my faith journey started because God's grace fell upon my grandfather who was an alcoholic, who changed his life just months before he died. And I can remember being marked by him because my grandfather came home one day and said, hey, basically we're going to start going to church. And my, his children, my parents and aunts and uncles, right, or my mom and, and sisters um, and brother thought, what? Why are we going to church? And I remember thinking that God worked in my grandfather's heart because he worked in my mom's heart. And I'm thanking God that he worked in my mom because he, now he worked in me. And Moses starts by telling this story about his mom. This is a courageous, bold act that could have very, very quickly ended in death. She put him in the Nile, but the midwife was supposed to throw him into the Nile. She knew that she could not hide him any longer. And so she said, I know this child is safer without me than this child is with me. Imagine the scene that she goes down in, with a basket, puts him strategically in a place near the reeds where he would not float down, but where he would stay. In a place where I'm sure that they noticed that women would go to bathe, not just any women, but the woman who was the daughter of Pharaoh went to this very spot to bathe. I've never seen anyone bathe in a river, but they did. And they knew this is the spot, Right. And so she took the risk because she had every right, Pharaoh had every right to say, this is a Hebrew baby. 
This baby should have been thrown in. And she goes, hey, this isn't my baby. I don't want to see this, but I'm going to hand this over to the Egyptians. I'm going to hand this over to the midwives and say, listen, you did, someone didn't do their job, but go ahead and do your job. Right? Because her father was Pharaoh. She didn't do that, did she? I love that the scripture says, and behold, the child was crying. You think? Right? And behold, I have an announcement. Lo and behold, the child's crying. Really? How long has this baby been here? Now, I think because of what we read, speculation again, I don't think it's been that long. I don't think Moses hung out in the reeds for 10 days. Okay? She placed him in a, in a more than likely high traffic spot. And what does this story say? You may have caught it. That, that, that his aunt, right? Mom's sister is doing what? She's kind of watching out. You can say she's kind of backing up watching. Is anyone going to get him? Who's going to get him? So there's a, there's a pretty good chance that Moses and, and Moses' mom and Moses' aunt are actually watching from a distance, and they wait. It could have been all day. It could have been overnight. Could have been a, could have been in the evening. Could have been the next morning. But they're watching to see what happens. And then a bunch of women go down, right? Not just Pharaoh's daughter, but Pharaoh's daughter's servants and all their women. And they see a child crying, and they say, "This is a Hebrew child." And what happens? She's probably thinking, "Oh gosh, what's the conversation like?" What are they saying? What are they going to do? And all Moses' mom sees is that Pharaoh's daughter takes her child and goes back to the palace. Extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary people, and this would have never happened had not Moses' mom stepped out. And the second thing is this. Extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary courage, and this is what she did. Have you had people in your life that have taken steps of incredible courage and even to the point of risking their own life said, this may be hard, but I'm going to do it anyways. And sometimes the, the, the things that you're facing, even I heard a few stories this past week, the things that people are facing in their lives right now, there's no other way to face it than to take an enormous step that requires courage. And sometimes doing the right thing requires you to be embarrassed. And think about some of the things that you face at work. If you do the right thing, you will be the odd man out, so to speak. You will be the one that people talk about when you leave the room. If the work environment's really bad, you don't have to leave the room. They give it to you face to face, right? Well, she took a step where she knew that she might lose her son. But here's, here's an interesting part about what, happening, what was happening. There was also punishment for those that did not listen to the law, right? Her step of faith, putting her child out there, also risked her own life. Now, she had every opportunity to leave Egypt, but she didn't. She stayed. She stayed with her family. She putting Moses out there would have not only risked Moses' life, but her very own. Someone says, whose child is this? And by the way, Pharaoh's daughter did say that. Whose child is this? But she had pity on this crying baby and said basically, hey, I can't nurse this child. I need to find someone that can. And I love it, right? She asked someone that says, hey, go find, go find this you know, a, a woman to nurse this child. What I assume that Pharaoh's mom did not know, she did not know that this woman that actually ended up nursing Pharaoh was the mom. And I love it. Her very step of courage, listen, her very step of courage, God ended up immediately blessing. That doesn't always happen, right? God immediately blessed it. And so someone knew, hey, this, I, I know Moses' mother. And they go and find her, and Moses' mom comes to nurse her very own child. Now, could you imagine that? You're invited to Pharaoh's palace to take care of a child. You know it's yours, and no one else does. 
Imagine that moment where she nurses that child. So we learn from Exodus chapter 2 that Moses' mother had the responsibility of taking care of, Mo- of Moses until she stopped nursing. Now the scripture, the way you read those first 10 verses, it makes it sound like, oh, so she took Moses back for a while, and then when he grew up, she handed him back. No, she more than likely stayed nearby to nurse, to take care of. She really became a servant of Pharaoh for a season to take care of this child. Why? Because she happened to be nursing, right? She could have said, yeah, I have... I have other children I'm taking care of as well. She took care of Moses until he was weaned, more than likely what the Hebrew says here, or in, um, in Exodus chapter 2, it says until he was a child, a little bit older, she cared for him. And then she hands him back, and he becomes an adopted son of Pharaoh. Extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary courage. The third one is this, extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary trust. Extraordinary lives are marked by extraordinary trust. Now, this is linked quite strongly to courage because we're required to take that step of faith at times. But to, to face the obstacles that are in front of us requires courage, but it also takes us trusting in God. Imagine what she felt that day when she hid him in the, in the Nile. And walking away from that, maybe not walking away, but maybe a jog, maybe a run, right? She did not want to be identified, but she trusted that God would care for her son, and he did. Imagine the moment when someone comes to him and says, hey, 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 Pharaoh's mom is looking for someone to nurse him. Would you do it? Uh, yeah, he's my son, right? Imagine going in to the palace and taking care of this child, Moses, and then having to leave. Or maybe she was given a place to stay. We really don't know. But imagine coming back and forth and potentially staying there. She's trusting God. And that, that is absolutely 100% required when we face difficulty, when we face challenges. We have to trust because you know how many things you face and how many things I face. We are absolutely out of control. There are things in your life you would love to control, but you know no matter how hard you try, you can't. In fact, sometimes the harder you try, the worse it gets. And here's Moses' mother who realizes that her son's and her own life is at stake, and she's simply going to trust God with it. And what God does over the next few years is absolutely incredible. I wish I could dive into it right now, but I know Chris is going to dive into it this next week. But the context And the environment that Moses grew up in was extraordinary. Not only was he trained by some of the best scholars on the face of the earth at that time, but he would have been multilingual. He would have understood anything. He would have been trained in so many different subjects. He would have understood anyone who would have come to him trained in leadership. He grew up in a powerful, powerful household. And there his mom is at a distance trusting that her son's going to be okay. Well, he would be okay, right? Not every story turns out like this. Can I state the obvious, right? So if I trust God, he's going to bless it like that? Not so, right? Not necessarily. But it's, it's required for us to live an extraordinary life. is not a safe life. To, live, to us to live an extraordinary life is not an easy life. But it requires moments. And sometimes it was a mom or a dad or someone in your family. Now it's you. As some of you are raising children. Some of you are facing those difficult moments. To live an extraordinary life certainly requires extraordinary people and extraordinary courage and extraordinary trust. Fast forward to um, the Garden of Gethsemane. This was Jesus. 
Even Jesus lived a life that required this extraordinary courage and extraordinary trust. Now, just hours before Jesus would be betrayed, and he was betrayed and given over to the authorities, and he was condemned, and he was put on a cross. But just hours before Jesus died on the cross, he said a prayer, and I love that we get to read about this prayer in John chapter 17. But Jesus even prayed, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. But just before he said that, he said, Lord, if this cup would pass from me, <laughs> I'd love for that to pass, right? I don't want to face what I'm about to face. Even Jesus said, I don't, I don't want to endure the cross because I know it's going to be painful. I know it's going to be something that, that I don't want to face. But even Jesus required courage. And in that very moment, in that prayer, John chapter 17, it's recorded, Jesus was marked by extraordinary courage and extraordinary trust. Why? Because he said, I don't want to face what I'm facing. Some of you can say the same thing today. You don't want to face Monday because you know what Monday holds. You don't want to face Tuesday because you know what Tuesday holds. Some of you don't want to face family because you know what family holds, right? All family vacations are full of bliss, right? No, you're like, can I go on vacation by myself? Right? I mean, I love my family, but I don't want to be with them. I don't know how that works out, right? But life is tough, whether it's family, husband, wife, friend, daughter, parent, father, mother. Life's hard. But even Jesus in that moment said, may this cup pass for me, but he didn't. And Jesus asked God the Father in heaven to give him the strength to face the cross. And he did that because he loves you. And he did that because he loves me. Jesus was marked by extraordinary courage and extraordinary trust. Because he says what I said just a few moments ago. He says in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, not my will, but yours be done. Joseph could have said that when he was sold into slavery. Joseph could have said on his way to Egypt, not knowing where he was going, but knowing that he was in shackles. Could have said, what in the world? Right? What's going on? Why am I facing this? Why is this struggle before me? Moses, as a little boy, when he quickly would have learned, okay, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. This family adopted me. Where's my mom? Maybe he knew her. Maybe he didn't. He would eventually obviously know his family well. But he knew from a young age, why did this happen to me? Now, it wasn't always a bad thing, right? But the, but the standards were pretty high. And he didn't like what his people would face. And we're going to learn that over the next couple of weeks. But Jesus set an example for us. And why? Because he took that step of faith to, to, to give his life, to die on a cross. And the Bible tells us, and we learn from the story of Jesus, that anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ can be saved from their sin. Anyone who asks for the forgiveness of sins can be forgiven by Jesus. This was not possible without his courageous act that he did on the cross. He did that for you, and he did that for me. So what can we walk away with on this first week? I want to give you three final things that I'd love for you to write down or to, to remember um, and I'd love for you to walk away from even this Sunday thinking about, okay, God, what does this look like for me? What does this look like for my life? The first one is this. Thank God for the extraordinary people in your life. Some of us need to take time today to, just to reflect who are those people who have made a difference for me? Who are those people who have paved the way for me? And this really leads us to thank God and to worship God, to say, you know what, God, thank you. I can say this. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for my dad. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful that God saved my grandfather in his alcoholism. 
I'm thankful that God used him to go home and say, honey, we're going to go to church. I'm saying that to my grandma. My grandma looks at him and goes, really? You, right? I'm thankful for those moments that God stepped down and made a difference in their life. The second thing is this. Ask God to give you the courage to live an extraordinary life. I don't know, but I think that you would agree you don't want to go through the motions, do you? You don't want to just live ordinary life, do you? You want to get to the end of your life and and know that it made a difference. You want to get to the end of your life and look at your children and know that they're making a difference. And it comes in all different ways and it comes in all different styles, so to speak, and and, and the way that you would describe it is different than the way that I would describe it. But I think all of us in a sense would say, I want to leave my mark on this world. I want to leave my mark on my family. And we can't do that unless we learn from the life of Moses' mother, unless we learn from the life of Jesus. And we, we learn from Moses that he would also exhibit what his mother exhibited and shown when he was a little child extraordinary courage and extraordinary trust. And finally, the last one is this. We must trust God to do the extraordinary. Now, the pressure on you and the pressure on me is that we are the ones required to do something extraordinary, right? The pressure's on. You have to make a difference. And I feel that as a father. There's a pressure on me to be a good father. Who puts that pressure on? I do. And I want to be a good father. I want to make a difference. Not just in my, my role as a father, but my role as a husband. I feel this pressure that I put on me. I want to make a difference. I want to be a good husband. What's interesting about the Christian faith is that it's God alone that has the power to do the extraordinary. You can try all you want in your own power and on your own two feet, but there's only so much that you can do. When Moses' mother put him in the Nile, she knew that her job in that moment was done. Now, as a mom, that's a hard place to be, right? This is a child. My job's not done. I can't even do my job. But she realized, hey, I'm trusting you, God. Here's the child. I'm not throwing him in the water, but I'm putting him in a basket and floating him in the, in the water. And she, she, she stepped back. And so did Moses' aunt as they watched. Some of us need to do that today. We need to trust God to do the extraordinary because he is the only one that can. You can't do the extraordinary, but God can. You can't do the extraordinary, but through your courage, God can. You cannot do the extraordinary on your own, but through you trusting in God, you can allow him to do the extraordinary. As we go through this series, I hope that you'll say this every single Sunday, right? And even this week as you're reading through the book of Exodus, I hope that you'll say, God, let me learn from Moses and be like him. He took major steps of faith. He's standing on the shoulders of his family, standing on the shoulders of the faith of his mom and the faith of his dad. But help me to be like Moses and take a step of courage tomorrow at work. Take a step of courage to this afternoon on the way home when you call a family member and you say something that's hard for you to say. We need that courage and we need that trust. And may we learn over these next few weeks from the life of Moses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to read the scripture and to learn. And I pray that as we journey through reading the book of Exodus, God, that you would help us to, to understand what it, what it means to, to live an extraordinary faithful life, to, to learn what it means to live a life of trust and a life of courage. Thank you for the example that Moses' mother gives to us. Thank you for the, the example that she set. Most of all, I thank you for saving 
Moses, because that's a picture of what you do for us. That you save us in our time of trouble and you save us in our time of need. So I pray over these next few moments as we sing, as we pray, as we reflect, God, that you continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. We're going to sing one song together. And during this next song, I want to encourage you, those of you that call Encounter Church home, this is an opportunity that we have to give an offering to the Lord. But this also is a time where you can sing and you can reflect on what God may be speaking to you and how God may be encouraging your heart today. Let's sing this song together.